0: This is uh, a question that's been included in every census since 1965.
1: Oh, yeah. The famous 1965 US Census.
0: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. There was no 1965
1: I got a census. Right. Every 10 years, i I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Lie better. And I'm how I'll get down the stairs.
0: Let me choke us to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep, you yes, sound stuck in the
1: From Pacifica with you. Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast As heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ and on Queso in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI In Maui, Hawaii on K-A-K-U. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, in Palinville, New York on WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, New Orleans' WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle, Washington's KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, Round Mountain, California's KKRN, And Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Detour Talk, and other fine affiliates, both terrestrial and internet. Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast, which is turning out to be a busier one than we even expected. But oh, you say that
0: every day. Well, because
1: it's true every day. No. <laughs> That, of course, is Desi Doyen, our producer. And uh, well, here's one of the reasons why this is a busy show. As we go to air just breaking, Donald Trump is firing his embattled Veterans Administration Secretary David Shulkin and replacing him with his own personal doctor. No, not that uh, guy with the long hair and the beard, the weird his gastroenterology, in the... whatever. Was. <laughs>
0: whatever that
1: Not that was. guy. Uh, his other weird personal doctor, uh, White House doctor Ronnie Jackson, who uh, Trump tweets uh, he intends to nominate to fill the role of Shulkin at the Veterans Administration. Jackson is the doctor who recently said that Trump is in fantastic physical and mental condition. After giving him a uh, physical and that uh, mental acuity test, is that the right way to describe that, Des? What, yes. what he was given?
0: It's more, do you know what day it is?
1: Can you pick out the rhinoceros from this line of animals? Yeah. So, uh, anyway, the seemingly endless shakeup of the greatest people ever to be appointed by any White House, uh, th- those shakeups just continue, and, you know, this is all... People who I don't know if any of them are left who were originally uh, uh, selected by Trump, despite the fact that, as we know, he picks all the best people. I know the best people. I know the best managers. I know the best deal makers.
2: We're going to use our best people. We can do it because the people are so amazing. I want the best people. So we're going
3: to get the best people, but we're going to use our best people. We need to get the best people.
2: And the finest
3: we're going to deliver. We're going to get the best people in the world. We're going to have the best
2: people in the world. You got to pick the best people. You got to pick the right people.
1: Yeah, well, you know, yeah, you do have to pick the best people. Uh, He should uh, pick one of them one time, apparently. So that's happening today. Also, the legal problems for this president continue to pile up. Uh, Leading me to continue to believe that we are headed to some very dark conclusion to all of this, Uh, though I'm probably wise not to speculate on exactly what that dark conclusion may look like. I just don't see how we avoid it. In any event, uh, we've got the special counsel investigation by Robert Mueller that continues and it's reportedly getting closer and closer to the president himself, his legal team responding to the uh, Team Trump-Russia obstruction of justice probe by the special counsel continues to dwindle, and he's having what appears to be a lot of trouble finding any legitimate attorneys willing to join his team in that battle. He's being sued by a porn star and a Playboy Playmate related to schemes to shut both of them up about alleged affairs that uh, they had with him some years ago, and a contestant from The Apprentice, uh, who says she was sexually harassed by Trump. She is being allowed, her suit will may now move forward, to uh, in which she is suing Donald Trump for defamation, for calling her a liar. His personal friend and business partner and occasional attorney, Michael Cohn, has been added to the lawsuit by... Uh, adult film actress Stormy Daniels, who had originally wanted to, uh, all she wanted to do was to be able to talk about uh, her case, to talk about what happened between them. But instead of just letting her talk, not very bright Donald Trump wanted to fight instead. And uh, now that Cohn has been added to that case for alleged defamation of Stormy Daniels. The uh, the case to allow her to speak, to basically drop the nondisclosure agreement that they had, uh, now that he's been added to the case for defamation, the matter can't simply just be dropped by Trump, as it might have been earlier. If Trump had been smart enough to say, yeah, you know what? Nobody cares about all the affairs I had. Let her talk all she wants. Uh, But he didn't do that. Now Cohn has been added uh, to the suit for defamation, so it can't be just dropped quite as easily and making matters still worse for Donald Trump. Stormy Daniels, according to AP Today, now wants Donald Trump to answer her attorney's questions under oath about that pre-election hush money payoff aimed at keeping her quiet about the alleged tryst back in 2006, Daniel's attorney filed his emotion on his motion on Wednesday in U.S. District Court in California. Now seeking depositions from both Donald Trump and from his uh, business partner, Michael Cohn who claims that he paid one hundred and thirty thousand dollars to the porn star out of the goodness of his own heart at the expense of a mortgage taken out on his house with no reimbursement whatsoever from Donald Trump or the Trumpet organization for whom he works, which, if true, is actually a pretty major violation of campaign finance laws if that payment was made just weeks before the 2016 presidential election in order to help him win that election. So if Stormy Daniels is successful in deposing the president of the United States under oath, that would be the first deposition of a sitting president since Bill Clinton in 1998 had to answer questions about his conduct with women. And we all remember how that worked out. So uh, as of uh, as of that, with that case now moving forward in courts and legal proceedings against the president, on Wednesday, yet another court has now given yet another go-ahead for yet another case to continue moving forward against the still-sitting president of the United States. And, Des, let me know if that changes before this uh, show is over. <laughs> Uh, a federal do. yeah, a federal judge on Wednesday allowed Maryland and the District of Columbia to proceed with their lawsuit accusing Donald Trump of accepting unconstitutional gifts from foreign interests, but the judge limited the case to the president's involvement with the Trump International Hotel in Washington D.C. only. Maryland, the state of Maryland and D.C. accused the president of violating the Emoluments Clause of the U.S. Constitution, which bans the president and other federal officials from accepting gifts from foreign governments as well as from U.S. states. Uh, Specifically, this suit alleges uh, that nearby businesses in Maryland and D.C. have been subjected to increased competition as a result of the foreign traffic to the Trump International Hotel in D.C. U.S. District Judge Peter Messitee wrote uh, in his 47-page ruling, quote, their allegation is bolstered by explicit statements from certain foreign government officials indicating that they are clearly choosing to stay at the president's hotel because, as one representative of a foreign government has stated, they wanted him to know, quote, I love your new hotel. Uh, but the judge also warned the uh, the plaintiffs that their uh, claims are too broad, saying that it is a considerable stretch to find the requisite injury, in fact, to Maryland and D.C. from Trump properties that are outside of Washington. So uh, he's limited uh, this case to just that one hotel, at least this one case. There are others like it. Despite the limited ruling, the uh, watchdog group that has joined those two jurisdictions in the lawsuit, uh, Crew was quick to hail the decision. Norm, uh, Norm Eisen, former chief ethics lawyer for the Obama administration, now chair of Crew Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, said this is a major step forward for the emoluments litigation. Eisen said the Decision by the judge suggests that states and businesses near Trump enterprises in other parts of the country may also have legal standing to sue the president. D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine tweeted, uh, quote, we have standing to hold President Trump accountable for violating the Constitution, which is what the judge's decision was essentially about today. Do they have the standing to move this case forward? Answer, yes, they do. It was not immediately clear whether the Trump administration would appeal the ruling. Uh, but we will see. Late last year, a judge in New York threw out a similar lawsuit that was filed by Crewe, ruling that the Emoluments Clause is an issue that Congress should address first, rather than the courts. And then there's a third federal lawsuit, speaking of Congress, that has been filed against Donald Trump on this issue by nearly 200 Democratic members of Congress. Okay, so... Uh, president's going to be busy in court for a while.
0: Well, you know, if there's nothing that you can get out of D.C. except more work for all the lawyers.
1: Yeah, apparently that's going well. Uh, unless they're lawyers uh, that, that Donald Trump wants to hire to, <laughs> to, to represent him because they don't want to have anything to do with him, anything to do with representing the president of the United States, which you would think any attorney uh, would jump at the chance. But
0: a, a career builder rather than a career think, destroyer yeah, these days.
1: But they don't want anything to do with it. Uh, speaking of court decisions that Donald Trump and Republicans may not like, we'll be joined momentarily by Ari Berman of Mother Jones to discuss the new question on uh, on citizenship. That Commerce Department Secretary Wilbur Ross has now added at the last minute to the 2020 U.S. Census at the request of the U.S. Department of Justice. That uh, decision looks like it will be challenged in a whole bunch of courts from a whole bunch of folks. But as uh, Ari is one of the premier journalists on the uh, the voter suppression beat, I hope to also ask him about what he describes in a recent article as a war A war on the judiciary itself by state Republicans around the country who have been getting boatloads of rulings, bad rulings for them, rulings against them concerning, uh, uh, well, in both state and federal courts, how they are attempting to game elections via gerrymandering and other related methods to game elections. One of those cases is in Wisconsin, where, as we reported late last week, a state judge who was appointed by Governor Scott Walker himself, the state judge ordered Walker to call special elections immediately within the next week, she said, for two vacant seats in the state Senate, which were made vacant by Walker himself when he appointed uh, the two uh, state senators who, who uh, served in those uh, seats to serve in his administration instead. Both seats are in very, very Republican districts, but after another very Republican state Senate seat was lost in a uh, special election earlier this year in January, Scott Walker really doesn't want any more special <laughs> elections, uh, at least if he can help it. So instead of calling those elections... As he has been ordered by his own judge, the uh, judge that he appointed, uh, who said he had to call these elections uh, within the next week by this Thursday. Now, Walker is instead hoping to uh, bring the legislature back in session in order to change the actual law that this judge was uh, using to give this order.
0: So he's so resistant, he's actually going to drag the Wisconsin legislature back into special session just so they can change this.
1: Just so they can change this, yeah. Which, uh, and by the way, uh, two of those seats will be vacant when they do change it, if they do change it. And that may not happen. They may not be able to change it because we have yet another Wisconsin judge who said that uh, on Tuesday that Scott Walker must call special elections by this Thursday to fill those two vacant seats. This was Dane County Circuit Judge Richard Neese. He denied the state, the Wisconsin State's uh, Justice Department's request that Dane County Circuit Court uh, Circuit uh, Judge Jossanne Reynolds, she's the one who made the order last week, that that order be delayed until April 6. So not this Thursday, but what, uh, about another week or so. Just until April, just delay it until then. According to uh, Wisconsin's uh, Jessica Arp, Judge Niece filed, uh, I'm sorry, filled in for Judge Reynolds on Tuesday because she is now on vacation. So after Reynolds' ruling last week, the Republican-controlled legislature called uh, an extraordinary session to begin on April 4 to change this very special election law in question.
0: Two days before their next deadline.
1: uh, Well, that's when they want it to be. They want it to be uh, April 6th, two days before. But now, uh, so they had to go to court to get the judge to postpone, to say, oh, it's okay. Scott Walker can wait another week or so before he names the dates for those elections. This proposed change to the law, however, if they make this change, would prohibit the governor from holding special elections after spring elections in years when the seats would otherwise be filled. Well, the spring election, it just so happens, falls on April 3 of this year. So uh, Judge Neese noted the irony in court on Tuesday, according to the uh, Capital Times. He asked the state's Justice Department, quote, am I to presume that the legislature is going to pass a bill that immediately affects individuals in the two currently underrepresented districts who will have no vote on that bill? That's going to deprive them of an election that has been ordered by Judge Reynolds. Uh, Yeah, that's exactly what they're trying to do.
0: Wow. I mean, I, I don't ever, ever, ever want to hear again anyone say that Republicans care about democracy because they obviously hate democracy. The only thing they're interested in is subverting democracy so they can stay in power.
1: Clearly, that's what they're doing here. And they didn't even appeal the case. They just said, hey, can we uh, can we delay uh, Walker having to make his decision for just a few days? Can you give us a few extra days knowing that they were going to go back into session, change the law and base it on uh, this upcoming spring election and say, well, after a spring election, it's too late to call new special elections before November. That's what they're doing. Plaintiffs in the case, uh, who previously argued uh, successfully last week that they were not being represented in the state legislature, said that the state was trying to get a backdoor stay on this order by asking for this delay. According to AP, the Judge uh, Judge Neese nice called Judge Reynolds' ruling last week, quote, spot on and noted that the state hadn't actually appealed the decision. Uh, The judge is quoted as saying there is no basis for this court to even consider the legislative proposal that is being put before the Senate because basically they're saying, oh, hey, we're going to change the law. So, you know, you should keep that in mind, judge. And the judge says, no, this hasn't even come up. It hasn't even been voted on, hasn't come up much less passed and signed into law, so why should I even consider it? He said, I'm not ruling, quote, on what the law might be in the future. I am enforcing the law as it is now, he said, according to Wisconsin Public Radio. So uh, what now? Uh, is, is Walker going to follow the court's second ruling to call special elections by Thursday, or is he going to join a whole bunch Of fellow Republicans of late in ignoring, just ignoring court orders entirely that they don't like. Or, as is happening in in Pennsylvania, uh, trying to impeach judges when they give orders that they don't like, particularly when it comes to elections. Who knows? But this is where we're headed it is uh, chaos, it is havoc. All right. Uh, Speaking of elections, as Republicans uh, challenge redistricting orders from the courts all around the country and uh, attempt to, yes, impeach judges who find against them, Uh, there was another case, by the way, that was heard in the U.S. Supreme Court on Wednesday, which I hope to discuss on tomorrow's broadcast, where Republicans in that case are challenging what they believe to be a Democratic gerrymander in Maryland. So the U.S. Supreme Court hears that on Wednesday. Hopefully we'll talk about it tomorrow. At the same time, however, the Trump administration is looking ahead to the next 10 years of elections. They haven't had had enough over these past 10 years of gaming the system through gerrymandering. They're now looking at the next 10 years of elections following the next U.S. Census by attempting to game that to their advantage as well. We'll discuss how the Trump administration's attempt to game the 2020 U.S. Census is actually all about elections, but not the way that the Donald Trump administration is currently claiming. Ari Berman of Mother Jones joins us next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. <laughs> Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to support the work that Desi Doyen and I do every day. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thank you. Right here where we are
4: speaking at the California Museum, you can see a whole exhibit on why immigrant families would hesitate to return the census questionnaire form. During World War II, the federal government used census data to identify Japanese American families to send them to internment. But the Trump administration has yet again failed to learn From history.
1: Well, have they failed to learn from history or has the Trump administration learned very well indeed from history? Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from BradBlog.com. That was California Attorney General Javier Becerra announcing his lawsuit against the Trump administration for the addition of a question about citizenship being added at the very last minute to the U.S. Census just days before the April 1 deadline for including new questions on the constitutionally mandated decennial U.S. survey? In our lawsuit,
4: we argue that this decision by the Trump administration violates the Constitution and federal law. First, the Constitution requires, as I said before, the actual enumeration of all people in every state every 10 years by including a citizenship question which will diminish response rates the census will not be able to fulfill its constitutional duty to count everyone
1: once again that was california attorney general javier becerra The Golden State was the first, but hardly the only one, to sue over this issue. At least 12 states have now signaled that they will sue to block the Trump administration from adding a question about citizenship to the 2020 census, arguing that the change would cause fewer Americans to be counted and violate the Constitution. The New York State Attorney General Eric Schneiderman said that he was leading a multi-state lawsuit to stop the move, according to New York Times. Attorney General Maura Healey of Massachusetts said the census is supposed to count everyone. This is a blatant and illegal attempt by the Trump administration to undermine that goal, which will result in an undercount of the population and threaten federal funding for our state and cities. The Constitution requires that every resident, not citizen, but resident, every person in the U.S. be counted every 10 years whether they are citizens or not. The results are used not just to redraw political boundaries from school boards to house seats, but to allocate hundreds of billions of dollars in federal grants and subsidies to where they are needed the most. Census data provides the baseline for planning decisions made by corporations and governments alike. Opponents of the added citizenship question said it was certain to depress response to the census from non-citizens and even legal immigrants. The Trump administration defended the citizenship question by saying it was needed to better enforce the Voting Rights Act, which relies on accurate estimates of voting-eligible populations. Ari Berman of Mother Jones, who was one of the first to light warning fires about political gamesmanship of the U.S. Census by the Trump administration months ago, notes in his coverage this week that the census determines how many congressional seats and electoral votes states receive, how voting districts are drawn, and how some $675 billion in federal funding is allocated to states and localities. He reports that five former directors of the U.S. Census Bureau, who served under presidents of both parties, told him that they opposed the citizenship question and wrote a letter to uh, Secretary uh, Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross expressing their opposition, saying it would lead to an unfair and inaccurate total count. Steve Murdoch, who ran the census under George W. Bush, said it would be a horrendous problem for the Census Bureau and create all kinds of controversies. Ken Pruitt, who ran the census under Bill Clinton, said it is simply inconceivable to me that there would not be a very high level of anxiety around that question. Vincent Baraba, who ran the the, uh, census under Richard Nixon, Gerald Ford and Jimmy Carter, called the addition of the question beyond comprehension at this point. Unlike all the other questions on the census form, the citizenship question has not been tested in field surveys because the request was made so late. So even the Bureau and Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross admit they have no idea how bad the impact could be. Nonetheless, it seems they don't care. Why would that be? Here to discuss why that might be is Ari Berman. He's a senior reporter at Mother Jones, author of the landmark book, Give Us the Ballot, The Modern Struggle for Voting Rights in America. He has been loudly warning about the Trump scheme to game the census for some time, and he goes into much detail in a just-released feature article for the May-June issue of Mother Jones, headlined Hidden Figures, How Donald Trump is Rigging the Census. Ari Berman, welcome back to the broadcast, my friend.
3: Hey, Brad, thank you for having me back. i appreciate it.
1: Sure. Uh, Listen, before we uh, discuss the census issue, because I think it all kind of plays together here, you also recently covered an issue that uh, we've been covering on this show as well that is sort of just emerging, but it's really... Uh, I think it's as startling and alarming as what's going on with the census in many ways. You you reported recently on Republicans now declaring war on the courts after rulings that threaten their majorities, uh, citing specifically Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, North Carolina. I know it's a lot to cover uh, to summarize very quickly. But I think it's sort of an unprecedented issue, this attack on the judiciary by the GOP in those three states. And it might be good if uh, folks hear it from someone other than me. Uh, Can you quickly summarize uh, what is actually going on in those uh, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania and North uh, North Carolina right now?
3: Yeah, well, there's a very disturbing trend going on, which is basically when Republicans don't like court rulings that constrain their power, they try to nullify those rulings. And they're doing it in a few different ways. In Pennsylvania, what happened was the Pennsylvania Supreme Court struck down the gerrymandered maps passed by Pennsylvania Republicans for Congress. And after that, Pennsylvania Republicans are now circulating impeachment uh, petitions For the four uh, Democratic justices on on the court. Uh, In North Carolina, they've passed a bunch of laws to change the makeup of the courts uh, after the courts have blocked 14 of their laws, including uh, redistricting maps that were were found to be uh, unconstitutional racial gerrymanders. And then in Wisconsin, I mean, this is kind of the most ex- insane example, mm-hmm. um, because what happened in Wisconsin was there were two vacant legislative seats since December, when two Republican members of the legislature joined Scott Walker's administration. And usually you just schedule a special election. I mean, that's always what happens. But Scott Walker refused to schedule a special election. uh, And he especially refused to schedule a special election after Democrats won a special election in Wisconsin in a different race in January that nobody thought they would win. And so uh, he was sued uh, by a group that was run by former Attorney General Eric Holder, the courts ruled that he had to schedule a special election and instead of scheduling the election after he lost in court a walker got the wisconsin legislature to reconvene and they are set to now change the law on special elections so they don't have to hold a special election and uh, i've now been covering voter suppression for seven years and i've never seen anything like this before where uh... The court says hold an election and they just cancel it instead of holding it and actually changed the law to be able to cancel it. And subsequently, multiple courts have ruled that Walker still has to hold this election, but he's still refusing to hold it. So, I mean, this is really, really insane and it gets to, the, to basically undermining these core norms of democracy. What I think is so noteworthy about this is that everyone always says about how much an outlier Donald Trump is within the Republican Party. But if you just look at what Republicans are doing mm-hmm. in Wisconsin or North Carolina or Pennsylvania, I mean, they're following the Trump playbook, which is if you don't like a law, just ignore it. Yeah,
1: exactly. And and by the way, we I, I think we should add uh, Michigan also uh, is refusing, uh, the Republican governor, they're refusing to hold a special election to fill the seat uh, uh, left vacant by John Conyers. So, yeah, if they can't win elections, they are willing to, uh, it seems... To game them, and if the court doesn't like it, they are willing to, yeah, game the courts. I guess we should have known when they uh, stole the Supreme Court majority. Uh, but it all sort of plays into what they're now seem to be doing with the census. Let me get this part out of the way right off the bat. I hate to even cover anything. This woman says from the White House podium at this point, but uh, since she's speaking on behalf of the president of the United States and the administration here, and since her lie was so egregious, uh, I think we need to respond to it very quickly. Uh, here was White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders asked about this new census question uh, on Tuesday at the uh, press briefing.
0: This is uh, a question that's been included in every census since 1965, with the exception of 2010 uh, when it was removed.
1: Okay, care to handle that one, Mr. Berman? <laughs>
3: Well, I mean, it, it's 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 so ridiculous. There were actually two absurd lies that she made, but I'll start with the first one. Um, a question about U.S. citizenship has not been asked on the census since 1950. So it hasn't been asked since nearly 70 years. Mm-hmm. She said that it had been asked since 1965, which is not true, and it was removed in 2010, which is not true because it never existed since 1950. So, I mean, they're putting in a question that hasn't been asked for 70 years. It's also, by the way,
1: it's also worth noting, by the way, there was no census in 1965. These happen on (laughs) on 10-year intervals, right?
3: Yes, yes. The second justification for the question was that they needed this to enforce the Voting Rights Act, which is uh, quite possibly the most hilarious thing that I've ever heard, uh, given how unwilling the trump administration has been to enforce the voting rights act yeah. uh... they haven't filed a single lawsuit to enforce the voting rights act the trump administration is filled with people hostile to voting rights like attorney general jeff sessions a uh, trump of course had his infamous quote-unquote election integrity commission that was stocked with uh, vote suppressors and suddenly now they need this information to enforce the Voting Rights Act, and I think it's just laughable. And, and and so, I mean, they had to give a justification for this law. This was the only justification they felt like they could legally give, but it's obviously not why they want to do this. Well, I, and
1: I want to ask you, let me play, I have that uh, just from here, because Huckabee uh, Sanders sort of uh, said what Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross had said when he approved this question uh, for use this week, and, and by the way, uh, for people who don't know why Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross is approving this. The U.S. Census Bureau is actually part of the Commerce Department. So here's specifically what uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders said, uh, echoing Ross uh, at the White House.
0: We've contained this question that's provided data that's necessary for the Department of Justice to protect voters uh, and specifically to help us better comply with the Voting Rights Act, uh, which is something that is important and a part of this process.
1: (laughs) So... I I want to get into the the details of this because I want to focus on this. Other people have been focusing on, uh, you know, how this will scare off the immigrant communities from participating in the census and, uh, you know, getting an accurate count, which is relied upon uh, for federal resources for the next 10 years, I should say. But it's this voting aspect that really disturbs me, Ari. Let's... um, we'll get to your objections to it in a moment but can you explain, because I haven't even been able to really figure this out, can you explain to me, Ari, what the DOJ and Ross and uh, Sarah Sanders are pretending to claim with this explanation that it is meant to protect voters? Put put aside your opinions about it for a second. What are they claiming here?
3: What they're claiming is that there is a A longer census survey called the American Community Survey that is a rolling survey that that is ongoing Mm -hmm. that goes to about fifteen percent of households. And that survey asks about US citizenship. That is a voluntary survey that takes much longer to complete. That survey asks about U.S. citizenship and that data is used to enforce the Voting Rights Act and other civil rights laws. And nobody has ever had a problem uh, with that survey, because it's a voluntary survey. Nobody's to put their citizenship if they don't want to. Uh, But what the Commerce Department said in their memo arguing for the citizenship question was that there wasn't a large enough or an accurate enough survey to be able to enforce the Voting Rights Act, and thus they needed to ask it on the full census, what's known as the Mm short-form census, to be able to enforce the VRA. That was the stated justification for
1: it. How does citizenship help them to enforce the voting rights act do, do you understand because they yeah. need
3: to know they need to know the citizen voting age population so who is who is eligible and who can mm-hmm. legally vote to be able to draw districts that comply with the Voting Rights Act.
1: Now, the congressional districts uh, are based on, as well, like the census, uh, are based on the number of people, are they not, versus uh, the number of citizens, or whether they're registered or not, or whether they're a voting age or not. Th- they're based on the number of people, not the number of voters in each district, correct?
3: They are. I mean, what what you will often see in an, in different lawsuits, for example, is our analyses of citizen voting age populations for, for different things to try to see, for example, how a voting change will affect the voters in an area, mm-hmm. not just the, 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 total, the total people. So I think that, that is a justification, at least, for why you would need data on citizenship to in, enforce the Voting Rights
1: Act. Uh, Marco Rubio uh, tweeted, uh, he called this uh, the, uh, about the census, the concerns about the census, a, 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 an absurd freakout Over asking this question, he says districts are apportioned based on the number of people not here legally dilutes the political representation of citizens and legal residents. This has been a long fight, right, as far as, you know, whether to include uh, voters, registered voters or eligible voters versus just the number of people who live in, in, in these districts.
3: It has been a long fight, but it's honestly been a settled fight because, as you mentioned earlier, districts have always been drawn based on total population, not citizens or non-citizens. Mm-hmm. So um, Rubio is completely wrong. If you look at the 14th Amendment and the one-person, one-vote decisions in the 1960s that followed the 14th Amendment, it's always been very clear that total people count. Not citizens or non-citizens in the same way that if you go, if your house is on fire, the fire department is going to come to your house whether or not you are a citizen or a non-citizen. Uh, so the idea is that everyone here deserves representation. And the Supreme Court just heard a case about this two years ago, the Evanwell case, and the Supreme Court unanimously, in an eight-to-zero decision, said that districts should be drawn based on total population, not on citizenship. So I think this gets at the real reason, one of the real reasons, that the Trump administration wants to. Do this which is they want to be able to draw districts after the 2020 redistricting cycle based on the number of citizens in a district rather than the total population because that will help white republican areas and it will harm more diverse and largely democratic areas now i find it incredibly ironic that rubio of <laughs> yeah, all people right? is saying this because he represents a state where one in five residents are immigrants Legal or 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 not, mm-hmm. and if they don't respond to the census because they're afraid about being asked their citizenship status, that is going to cost Florida billions of dollars in federal funding. It's going to cause them major political representation. It could shrink their their impact in the Electoral College mm-hmm. and their importance as a swing state. So, I mean, Florida is one of the, actually those states that has the most to lose from this question, along with Texas and California and New York and a number of states in the Southwest. And so it, it, it seems like even if he's trying to help the Republican Party long term, it seems like he's actually going to sabotage his own state by wanting the trump administration to ask this question
1: that's what i wanted to ask you because i know you've got a, 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 a feature, uh... feature article in the latest mother jones hidden figures how donald trump is rigging the census where you talk to a lot of people who will be affected by this uh... and ask them if they would uh... you know various immigrant communities if they'd be willing to fill out this form but it is not just uh, you know, states like California, those blue states, it is Texas and Arizona. They also risk losing representation in Congress and electoral votes along with them. Do you have any sense in your reporting, Ari Berman, that uh, there are Republicans, uh, elected Republicans, I guess, who are similar, similarly concerned about uh, adding this question at the last minute to the census?
3: Well, so far, Republican officials, for example, in Texas, which has a lot to lose from this, Mm -hmm. uh, they've been supportive of the citizenship change. I think because it both uh, aligns with their anti-immigration rhetoric and because they also think they they believe that it helps them um, politically uh, long term. It also may be the case that even if they lose federal funding, the district's in these states with a lot of minorities, tend to be represented by Democrats. So even in a red state like Texas, mm. it will affect many Democrats because the bluest districts are the ones that usually have lots of immigrants mm. that are more diverse, and the whiter, more Republican districts are the ones that will be less affected um, by this. But but I do think that. The bigger picture here is that a failed census is gonna hurt everybody in in some way or another. Uh, That a a failed census is going to take uh, billions of dollars away from communities that deserve that funding. It's gonna take representation away, uh, not just from blue states, but some red states as well. And the data is not gonna be accurate. And that's what people need to understand. The census forms the basis for so many things we do. It forms the basis for how districts are drawn. It forms the basis for how many congressional seats and electoral votes you get. It forms the basis for the data that's used by basically every institution in American society. So this is really something that that should be looked at as separate from politics, uh, because this is the underlying element Mm -hmm. uh, that determines so much in our democracy. And so if you decide to rig the census then you've essentially rigged everything that follows from the census, and and so I, I, this is just one of the most worrying things because I feel like you know if you pass a bad law you can repeal it. Mm-hmm. If there's if you pass a gerrymandered district you can challenge it in court. Um, these are not ideal situations, but you can you have some sort of remedy. Whereas I don't know what the remedy is if if the census is mm-hmm. inaccurate. There's no way to redraw yeah. the census. It happens once every ten years, and then that's it.
1: It it reminds me very much, Aria, of the, um, you know, remember the political appointees in the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division during the George W. Bush administration who uh, had overruled all of the career staffers on whether photo ID voting restrictions were a violation of the Voting Rights Act in, in Georgia. Here we also have the career staffers seem to be uh warning against this uh you know saying don't do this but we've got the uh political operatives at the top saying yeah we're gonna do this anyway H- have we ever seen does your reporting bear out that we have never seen this sort of clear politicization of the u.s census
3: i've never seen the clear politicization of the u.s census before there have been debates about the census mm-hmm before. Um but I've never seen a situation in which the partisan leadership of the census dictated the agenda. And you have to remember the census is already facing an unprecedented number of crises. Its budget has been cut dramatically. Uh there are no full time leaders at the Census Bureau, which I think is a big problem. Um, there is there is only an acting Leader and an acting deputy. So there's no one who can stand up at the Census Bureau to Wilbur Ross or the Trump administration who's been confirmed by the Congress. Um, they are using the internet now for the first time. So instead of everyone getting a paper form to mail back, everyone's going to get a postcard and say, hey, let's respond online instead, which in an oh, era of man. cyber hacks and Russian interference yeah. is very worrisome, even without the citizenship wow. question. So when I started doing this reporting, the citizenship question wasn't even on anyone's agenda, and the census was in trouble. So imagine now you add this question that millions of Americans are going to be afraid of, and even people that are citizens are not going to want to respond out yeah. of, of protest, out of anger, out of Trump not wanting to have their data. And so what's happening now is we are seeing the rigging and the corruption of one of the most important mandated tasks in our Constitution.
1: Last question for you, Ari Berman. Uh, can any of this, uh, you know, of course, this is the 2020 census we're talking about. We got two years until this actually happens. Um, the, the 2018 primaries are now even more crucial than they were before. Can any of this be fixed? If we see democratic majorities uh, taken back in uh, in the House and Senate, or is is it too late is it out of the hands of Congress and it's a it's an executive function period
3: no, I mean Congress could challenge it. Uh, I would think that Well before the Congress flips, though, if it does flip, this is going to be challenged in court. Because California has already litigated against this question. Twelve other states have said they're joining it. You've already seen the NAACP and other groups sue against it. And I think this question is on very shaky ground legally, because it didn't go through any of the proper Mm motions. It hasn't been tested. The The request from the Justice Department came in December, and the question was added in March. That's not nearly enough time to analyze the impact. Usually questions like this are analyzed for years with multiple tests, rigorous focus groups, all of the stuff that you would do if you're going to change the census. None of that happened here. And so I think that the the groups are going to say, listen, the Constitution mandates that you count everybody, not just citizens. So number one, this could be unconstitutional based on that. But number two even if you could legally count citizens, this question is not legal because it didn't go through the regular process that all the other questions on the census form went through. Because Wilbur Ross said something very interesting. He said in his memo, well, we don't know what the impact will be. Well, they don't know what the impact will be because there was no time to test it. And the, 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 the only test run for the census is taking place this month in Providence, Rhode Island, they canceled all the other field tests they were supposed to last year and this year. But the only field test that's taking place this year, and the, the citizenship question won't even be on it. So, I mean, they they, they almost they, they did this in such a disingenuous way, specifically so there wouldn't be enough time to test it. So then they, then they couldn't say, oh, well, look, we, we have no data showing mm. the impact. Because I guarantee you, the minute they would have tested it in the field, they would have seen a dramatic drop-off, and everyone would have known why it was such a bad idea to do this in the first
1: place. Underscoring, once again, why the courts are so important and frankly why republicans are now attacking the courts themselves Ari Berman, senior writer at, uh, reporter at Mother Jones, author of Give Us the Ballot, The Modern Struggle for Voting Rights in America, and author of the uh, new feature article in Mother Jones, the May June issue, which, but it's already online at motherjones.com, Hidden Figures, How Donald Trump is Rigging the Census. Uh, you can also follow his work, and you should, on Twitter at Ari Berman. Ari, always great talking with you, my friend. Hope to do it again soon. Thanks so much, Brad. Anytime. Thank you. You you bet. All right, quick break, and we're back with more Bradcast. What that will include, I don't yet know, but we will find out. I will find out, as you do, uh, right here on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. the, the crime of the century. Well, what will it be? You take your pick, what will it be? Welcome back to the Bradcast, Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. So- uh, the uh, I was going to talk about healthcare in this block, but you know what? Um, let's say uh, I want to play a, a song instead that uh, someone sent to us here that I think is kind of a fun song. And it's sort of related to uh, this other breaking news from uh, The New York Times just before we went on air here today. A lawyer for President Trump broached the idea of Trump's pardoning two of his former top advisors, Michael Flynn and Paul Manafort, with their lawyers last year. According to three people with knowledge of the discussions, the discussions came as the special counsel was building cases against both of the men and raised questions about whether the lawyer, John Dowd, who resigned last week from Donald Trump's legal team, whether he was offering pardons to influence uh, Flynn and Manafort's decisions about whether to plead guilty and cooperate in those investigations. The talk suggests that Trump's lawyers were concerned about what Flynn and Manafort might reveal were they to cut a deal with the special counsel, Robert Mueller, in exchange for leniency. Mueller's team could investigate the prospect now that John Dowd, the president's attorney, uh, former attorney, made pardon offers in order to thwart the inquiry although legal experts are divide, uh, divided about whether such offers might constitute obstruction of justice or not. Basically, you've got, if the uh, Times report is true here, they base it on three sources, unnamed sources, I think. Um, the, the, Donald Trump's attorney is going to these people who are being investigated and saying, hey, guys, just to keep in mind, the president may uh, issue you a pardon. If you play your cards right. And there's a question about whether that is illegal at all.
0: Well, and my question would be, so let's say that he did issue a pardon Mm -hmm. and then it was considered illegal. Are those guys still pardoned?
1: These are just some of the constitutional (laughs) crises uh, that the uh, country seems to now be uh, either in and or headed towards. So anyway, that's just breaking. I'm sure everyone will be talking about that uh, in the hours and days ahead. But this was from uh, a, um, uh, Matt Searsley, a, uh, a longtime uh, listener here to the broadcast, sends us this song uh, that is kind of fun, and I could use some fun today. So uh, this is about, I know it seems like a thousand years ago, but remember the whole, uh, the memo that Nunes the, memo. the the Nunes memo that yes. was gonna break the whole thing wide open and show how the Democrats and Barack Obama were I don't know what they were. What was what was the allegation that they were trying to that they improperly used a FISA warrant
0: to spy on Donald Trump, which to, they didn't. Which but they didn't. that was what the whole Nimbus memo was about, right. and tried to uh, create a completely corrupt case around that idea, which has been thoroughly debunked. But yeah, you're right. That was a thousand years ago. It
1: was. It feels like a thousand years ago, uh, and it was also confusing at the time. So I thought I'd play this really confusing song about it, <laughs> that uh, Matt seriously has uh, written. He said, sending this to you first simply because I'm listening to the broadcast right now and figure you might want to be one of the first to hear it Uh, the song follows he says in a long-standing tradition of putting the news into a song to hopefully make it more bearable maybe laughable and hopefully memorable he says this was composed in early February he hasn't changed the word since but he thinks it's held up to the news cycle Songs like this, he notes, were common when a large number of people couldn't afford uh, or, uh, or couldn't read newspapers. So uh, he says now we have different kinds of news gaps, and I figure songs can be helpful. Well, it'll help me. Uh, Matt Searsley's song, The Memo, about the warrant.
2: Well, it's getting hard just to follow in the news. No matter what your views, it's a scramble just to follow along. And when times are getting hard and you're sitting in the bar, that's about the time a singer tries to put it in a song. It's getting pretty hard to believe it's been going on for so long. Talk about the memo about the Warren and the dossier reported and the Greek kid drunk under dip a map from down under when he flipped. All I had a going was a memo about the Warren, and the dossier reported was the only card laid in his hand. There's trouble brewing all around, the immigration shutdown. every day they're driving nature to the wall. All authoritarians are looking out for all their friends and they won't even say whether or not they took the call. Their things are looking pretty good, fan the flames knock on wood, they didn't even know the skinny boy was wired. I talked about the memo about the Warren and the dossier reporter And the cheese whiz, oil biz, masquerades, all the tricks And when I hit the papers and all that had it going Was a memo but the Warren and the dossier reporter Was on the only card playing in his hand Well, Prince, Paul Julian, Enforza, Goma, Thesamona Are saying things to throw the FBI And the fire gates and in on national TV Told all the people really why and they're still trying to say the folks who tanked the election were actually working for the other side. And they put it in the memo about the warrant and the dossier reported and the undercover mercenaries guilty-pleasing like canaries who will be the first to sing about the dirty laundry and the memo about the warrant and the dossier reported and the nuclear deterrent is the only card playing in his hand. Willie intel chairman recused and back again says he's asking for a friend. He must think we all are blind. Because they put it in the memo that the warrant wasn't proper, even though the skinny boy had been hanging out with spies. And no, he didn't write it and he didn't even read it. Everybody knows why he would want to lie about the memo, about the warrant, and the dossier reported. And the son in law's address really is triple six, and that's so how much a marker fill the day that cleared the memo. Was a memo about the warrant, and the dossier reported was the only card playing in his hand. Talk about the memo, but the woman and the dossier reported in the nuclear deterrent is the only card played in his hand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow that was like Gilbert and Sullivan and Bob Dylan and Woody Guthrie all rolled up into one.
1: Indeed. Uh, well done Matt Sersley. Thanks for sending that to us. I will uh, link to a, a copy of that MP3 for that uh, of that song uh, along with a copy of the lyrics since it uh, might be hard to uh, have heard those uh, there. <laughs> they were great. So I'll I'll uh, include that uh, when I post today's show at bradblog.com. Thank you very much, Matt. Yeah. And thanks to you, Desi Doyan, our producer and my thanks as ever. To uh, my guest today, Ari Berman of Mother Jones, uh, and especially to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is always appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, you can download them all for free at bradblog.com. You're welcome. You can also drop me an (laughs) email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com and on the Facebooks and the Twitters. I am the Brad Blog. If you want to find us, follow us and share us there.
0: Uh, yeah, because that does help other people to find us. And please spread the word.
1: Uh, yes, yeah, spread the word. And oh, by the way, give us a good review if you like at your favorite podcast site. Yes. If you download it from there as well. Uh, and of course, one last thought: uh, my thanks to those of you who stopped by BradBlog.com slash donate. Because you are the only ones, the only thing, that keep us on your public airwaves trying to tell the truth and trying to play a delightful song <laughs> every now and again when uh, we have good cause. So uh, thanks to those who stopped by bradblog.com donate. All right, that's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.